They did not heed the warnings. Bob, I told you Lost Highway is not an old movie. But it's 26 years old! I'm there right now. They unlocked the gateway to a dark dimension. It's gonna be more like new movies for old stoners. Oh no. Can we do Camp Rock? How about High School Musical? Oh my god, Twilight, Twilight Breaking, Breaking Dawn, Dawn Part, part two. 2. No! The Feline Apocalypse. <laughs> Maybe too intense for older viewers. People over 50 must be accompanied by a child or an adolescent. For young stoners, the podcast where cannabis is a gateway drug to classic cinema. And this month, I'm taking charge, and we don't have any movies with ugly dudes saying talk Mexican or French movies with subtitles about sweaty men driving trucks. For my episode, both movies are in color, and one of them is even from this century. <laughs> First, David Naughton from an American werewolf in London leads a wacky scavenger hunt through 1980s Los Angeles in Midnight Madness. And next, can a living girl and an undead zombie find friendship in a post-apocalyptic world where everyone's trying to destroy each other? Nicholas Holt from Renfield stars in Warm Bodies from 2013. You have been warned. The Feline Apocalypse is here on New Movies for Old Stoners. back on Old Movies for Young Stoners, the podcast that pairs pot with cult and classic films to enhance your trip through classic cinema. We've got your full crew today here on this episode. First, he is your guide on the Hollywood Punk Rock Graveyard Tour. Look it up on Instagram. He is Corey Sklar. Hey, everybody. And next, he is a contributing writer at Leafly, Bob Calhoun. Hey, everybody. And he is an animator and co-founder of Six Point Harness and myself, Greg Franklin. Hey, more sayings of things. <laughs> yes, sayings of things. And she is an actor, voiceover artist, fashionista, and your guest programmer for this episode, Felina Franklin. Hello. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I have to explain a little bit. I messaged Bob and I said, on... April Fool's Day, can I pick the movies? Can it be old movies or new movies for young stoners? And Bob said no. So we made a deal and the Feline Apocalypse was born. 
Well, I mean, I said no because we just recorded an episode the week before, and there was yeah. scheduling. We weren't actually. It was a scheduling you, issue. You were you were expecting me to say no and never, and that would be it, and then you wouldn't have to do this. And then, uh, <laughs> then I'm like, no, we've got time for the Feline Apocalypse later in May. With, so it's here. Yeah, it is here. It is and here. <laughs> I'm sure it's only a little bit regretful. i'm excited to make these guys watch very bad movies (laughs) there there was a point i i will admit where i'm like could you just throw in one new art film like here's something a zoomer did filming this whole film on their ipad you know and i you know we could have gotten a skin of a rink or something yeah yeah. (laughs) no no you're gonna well, I feel like these two movies perfectly encapsulate what it was like growing up in my household. Ah. Because I, we have my dad, who shows me all of these wacky, weird movies from like the 80s and the 70s and whatever. And then we have my mom, who loves zombies and romance. And so ah. this is totally, this totally would have been a back to back feature at my house growing up <laughs> I, I, wow do, i do think half of my exposure to reality television has been sitting at your house with your mom oh and yeah she just oh, would yeah. have have that crap on and that's like how I, <laughs> it's through tigger that i know about yeah. things that i was no exactly to you didn't even know what maury povich did before, before you came over, I knew that, but like all the various housewives and things, like. Oh yeah, no, I know. We always had, oh my god, like baggage with with um, Jerry Springer. Rest in peace. <laughs> Is he dead? Yeah, we just lost. We just lost Jerry. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a wow. life! What a life! Right? What a life! Yeah. Yeah. The Honorable wow. Jerry Springer yeah. of Cincinnati, Ohio. Right? It's Cincinnati, or was it Cleveland? He's, he's my pre- he's my president. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, the, the, if Jerry Springer was president instead of Donald Trump, we would have had all the same horrible shit. Like there, we would have been exposed to just terrible, terrible things. But there would have been the moral at the end. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> the final thought. With Donald Trump, there would just be the immoral at the end. Yes. Unfortunately. And and no thought. <laughs> <laughs> at least with Jerry Springer, we have the we have the feeling that he was ashamed of what he did until the check showed up again. The next check. Yeah, and he was a lefty as a politician, you know, as the mayor, and he had yeah, a, he was progressive. He had a air. I think he was on Air America or something like that. Yeah, back in the day, exactly, uh, yeah. with with some. Pretty progressive stances on things, so yeah, R.I.P. Jerry. Uh, it's, it's really, it's funny you mentioned uh, his paycheck too, Bob. Because remember when he paid a prostitute with a check, and that's how he got caught. Yes, <laughs> yeah, he yes, was. Right. <laughs> I mean, what a life! Jerry has such a colorful life. He might be like the senator from yeah. Ohio, the like liberal senator from Ohio, like Sherrod Brown, if not for that. That's right. it's, it's like that Elliot Spritzer trajectory where Elliot Spritzer, mm-hmm. Elliot Spitzer was supposed to be president one day, but right. you know, uh, prostitutes. Yeah. Well, J- Jerry ran Jerry ran again for office and after that scandal occurred and he put it in his 
campaign commercials that like, yeah, I did this. I paid a prostitute with a check and he won the election. So it worked. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it didn't work for Anthony Weiner so much. He tried to no. run again, but people, were, I, you know, they, they were just too grossed out by Anthony Weiner, I think. But when Jerry, yeah. when Jerry does it, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> also, with a name like Wiener, like you're just automatically like, oh god. If nothing else, uh, Jerry understood the spectacle, and he he gave p- the people what they wanted. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You couldn't. That he did. I mean, I don't know how many clanfrontations I watched on Jerry Springer. <laughs> <laughs> he had like, mentors uh, on there. And yeah. Shit. He, Guar like, Guar yeah. was on there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is going to get Greg and Greg and I into talking about uh, Wally George, who was he was oh. a conservative, very conservative. Oh my god! He, he was I a, love Wally George. Oh, I'm so glad. We, I'm so glad you know of Wally George, Felina. He's of the course. greatest. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> I mean, the best part about Wally George just going way. Well, what was the topic anyway? But the best part yeah. about Wally George was that. His audience were dudes with black flag shirts and Iron Maiden shirts. They were all these oh, like, yeah. stoners and punks. <laughs> well, and also, like, well, Orange County punk rockers are also racist, Bob. So it kind of made sense. Oh, uh, so I, I, I'm seeing <laughs> it through my, my, my ruby spectacles. You yes. know, I'm expecting like Jello Biafra to be in the audience, but it's no really, LA, yeah. Orange County, like hardcore guys who wear black flag shirts are they, they, they loved Ronald Reagan. You know what I mean? It's crazy. But did they love Ronald Reagan naturally, or was it because they were hanging out in the Wally George it studio was audience? A, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah, yeah the sure. hot yeah. seat. They were they were at hot seat all the time. Yeah, but if, <laughs> if you don't if you don't know what we're talking about, listeners, there was a local talk show host who uh, really influenced um, later talk shows on television the outrageous stuff like jerry springer and he was a conservative but yeah his audience was all punk rockers and if you want to see a who's who of who was a freak in los angeles in the 80s and 90s i mean this guy's having angeline on he's having oh, i think yeah. he's having el duce on from the mentor like he's having all yes. kind of crazy people on it was so good it's all on youtube i, I highly recommend you look up wally george's hot seat uh, he was syndicated. I was watching him up here. Uh, he was syndicated on KFY TV. Really? I had San no Francisco. idea. Oh, I he was know. on right after or maybe before WWF wrestling. So that was like a real power block of weird TV, especially oh, yeah. smart programming, especially when Creature Features was canceled. I think like my me being into pro wrestling happened because KTVU cancels Creature Features. So what am I doing as a nerdy guy? who doesn't have a whole lot of friends on Saturday night. I'm watching fucking <laughs> WWF like it was the superstars with the where they somehow got their clearance to use the beginning of Thriller with Hulk Hogan, video <laughs> yeah, Hulk yeah. Hogan walking to the ring. And then Wally George, you know, so it was like, okay, I, I need to watch weird TV. And that that's what it was. But uh, James Gabbert, the owner of uh, KOFY, was... He later became out gay. He was definitely out gay, but uh, you know, every it was like an open secret in the Bay Area. Everybody knew he was gay because he would do these movie shows on Sunday night where it's like, "Hi, I'm James Gabbert, and here's my cameraman who was never behind the camera, and he was this total pool boy, and you know, <laughs> like everybody just knew." But Wally George yeah. went on a homophobic rant in one of his episodes, and then like a couple weeks later, no more hot seat. On yeah, I wonder. I wondered how that would fly in the Bay Area because yeah. Pro- yeah. It wouldn't. <laughs> Crazy. But Felina, Fel, Felina grew up watching Hot Seat, too. Nice. 
Yeah, I would go over <laughs> to your place when I was like working on the Gene Book or something, or or later. Yeah, uh, they showed my- reruns. They showed reruns up until uh, you very know, recently. Just recently. Yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they might still show them. Was, wasn't it like sponsored by some some strip club and Wally George would yeah, say yeah. it would be like old pre-death Wally George like yeah, way older yeah, than yeah, he was yeah. in the videos he'd go ask for the Wally George special yeah he did they he cut local he cut local commercials Bob you know who Wally George's daughter is oh uh yeah. uh the the uh woman from uh Risky Business right his name I can't yeah. remember Rebecca yes. De Mornay that's yeah. right yeah isn't, that's... That, isn't that amazing <laughs> yeah I'm Tom Bosley, and that's Hollywood. Uh, Nepo baby. It's like I'm the one. That's <laughs> <laughs> the worst type of Nepo baby is Wally George's kid. Corey, I believe you wanted to talk about AI, and uh, you had a quote from hmm. about from Eddie Muller, I believe, about AI. AI. That's a whole box of worms that I, I'm. You know, it is day 18 right now of the writers' strike here in Los Angeles. Um, and I was wondering, you know, AI plays into this because, hey, if these writers on are going on strike, what are the studios going to do, right? They're going to pull in these new chat these, GPT exactly to write these scripts. I'm sure it's already happening. But I was wondering if it uh, the writer's strike affected uh, Felena or Greg at all since, you know, they work in the industry. And um, you guys depend on writers for things you say and things you draw, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, one of the things about the Writers Guild is that they don't cover animation writers. Oh, really? You know, yeah. Most of the animation writers are covered by 839, which is the Animation Guild, which when I first moved to L.A. was the was the the local uh, screen cartoonist union. They became a guild of, of their own. And, you know, of course, that means lower rates and less protection. Oh. The Animation Guild is nowhere near as strong as the Writers Guild. And it's, you know, it's just one of those things so there are certain shows that uh still get to be written that are 839 covered not writers guild covered but okay interesting know. thank uh, you for telling me that i had no idea yeah. because do you it's know- bullshit because you yeah. still it still takes the same amount of work to write an animated show as it does a live action show right it still needs to i mean sometimes more if you're working in like a genre yeah. show like like teen titans yeah. for instance where there's all this dc oh, lore yeah. and you have to do research and you know yeah it's I'm sometimes more so i yeah i had no idea amazing yeah it's kind of bullshit i think they would be stronger if they let animation writers join but there's a lot of gray area there i mean there's a lot of shows i mean i don't know what's going on with cartoon network these days it seems like they might be phasing out that entire network but um really you know, a lot of the a lot of that programming yeah oh yeah yeah they they've basically folded cartoon network which was its own separate thing into warner brothers animation so that's all one thing mm-hmm. in terms of restructuring it so i think it's just a matter of time before that whole network kind of goes goes off into the sunset yeah you know that's the, the the had its own specific culture and its own specific way of doing things and yeah I worked there for a few years and it was really interesting and it was cool because they, a lot of the shows were uh, what they call board driven, which means a writer kind of comes up with a premise and then the real writing of the show is, is up to storyboard artists who do the whole thing visually. And then the writers kind of come back in and look at the storyboards and they punch it up. And so that was probably one of the cushier jobs. (laughs) in writing that it was covered by uh, that's cool by 839 but if they're not even going to cover animation writers they're 
for sure not going to cover storyboard artists who were actually doing the real writing on stuff like Adventure Time and 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 shows like this. Yeah, I mean that's that's I didn't realize it gets so murky. And that's yeah. that's what a lot of the strike is about is how murky all the rules are now. You know, regarding streaming, there's no uh, residuals that you get upon re-airing, stuff like that. Everyone's broke <laughs> out here. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's totally messed up. Um, Felina, are you going to be out there picketing? I should be. I know, me too. Um, I haven't yet. I will, though. <laughs> it's day 18, and I still haven't, but I will this weekend. I promise. I, I'm not even a writer. I just do improv. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a writer. Well, well, well yeah, but they just... Bob, Bob you're the writer sag, here. Sag. SAG is voting. SAG is voting on a strike right now. Polina, you need to you need to vote oh. on whether. Yeah, there's a there's SAG is oh, voting yeah. whether or not President Fran Drescher wants you not to strike. <laughs> Felina, <Yeah>. I, <laughs> if you were on Twitter, which is a toxic hell site, I understand why you're not. I'm but the, yeah, that is exactly the reason I'm not. At least if you were following everyone I'm following, you would know all about this because this is. Yeah, this I know is... some about this. I've definitely watched a few YouTube videos about <laughs> this. I know TikTok okay. disseminates information. I'm not. I don't mean to sound like I'm denigrating <laughs> denigrating its ability to do this. But I'm gonna say this one thing about writer strikes is uh, watching the Night Stalker. Uh, extra feature with David Chase, who went on to produce The Sopranos and wrote The Sopranos and and produced Rockford Files for a while. Um, he was a showrunner on Rockford and and Northern Exposure. He got into the guild when he first comes into Los Angeles into WGA, and they went on strike immediately. He ended up meeting this guy who was the lead writer for Mission Impossible, which was a really tough job back then because you really had to make everything line up right in that mm -hmm. show. It was a complex show to write. And so he was walking the picket line with that guy, and that guy got him his first job on this uh, very short-lived, very good but very short-lived show called The Magician with Bill Bixby, and he's a magician who solves crimes. And that thing's pretty obscure, but if it kind of, if it could have lasted a couple more seasons, it would probably be like Columbo to people because it's pretty good. Right. So, Felina, go walk that picket line. Not just because mm -hmm. you should do it just to do it, but you're going to meet also people. maybe. <laughs> yeah, it might scare up some work for you. Go out there. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a few friends who have been like striking since day one or two or whatever. And yeah, I've just been perusing all of their Instagram stories like, God damn, like I'm going to go next to. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Get, I'm gonna go. Just get a selfie and then leave really quick and look. Make it look like <laughs> that's all I need. Wait, who who are your friends standing loved, next to? <laughs> it's like, like these famous ass people. Like, like, like that guy. Adam ruins everything. Oh, he's he's the <laughs> like, leader. He's the leader. He's yeah. like, yeah, he's big time. Well, all Jay right. Leno's been delivering portos to everybody. That's good. Yeah. Um, Weezer hey, played the potato balls. Yeah, he's a potato yeah. balls. Weezer played. <laughs> Weezer played the Paramount uh, picket line yesterday, and those poor people haven't they suffered enough? And uh... <laughs> I, oh, the man. only picket line I've never been in um, a writers guild or or the journalists guild or union. The only picket lines I've ever wa walked was when I worked for St. Mary's Hospital. So have you ever? Mm, that's a real. That's a real picket, picket line. line uh yeah. no no i've crossed the picket line to go like when when the supermarket workers were picketing for like yeah. six months in los angeles i was like i gotta go i remember that yeah. mm. <laughs> and i'm a scab mm. for that and i feel terrible and i'm sorry everybody i was younger i would never do that now 
I don't know. Do the Writers Guild sing the songs? Do they sing the, you know, we are the union, the mighty, mighty. Do they sing those songs? <laughs> I saw them sing. I think they they were singing like a Lizzo song or something like, bitch, better oh. get my money. They saw them singing that. That is oh. not Lizzo. <laughs> it's, who is it? Who is it? That's <laughs> that's not Lizzo. I'm pretty sure that's Rihanna. Rihanna? Okay, sorry. I knew that's some, right. somebody. Well, you, you mentioned uh, them being tortured by Weezer, but... Uh, they showed on the news that Imagine Dragons was doing an unplugged set. No. And uh, oh. if if anybody needed all that reverb and effects, uh, it was definitely Imagine Dragons. Yeah, those guys are weirdos. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, if you're like if you're part of uh, UAW or something, you might get like Billy Bragg showing up or somebody. But oh, that'd be you cool. Know, Maybe John, maybe John Mellencamp would be out there I with know, you. But it's so funny, like these, 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 uh, these writer strikes—they're getting Imagine Dragons and Weezer. It's so funny. It's great, though. All the su- the support is appreciated. Well, get paid, writers. You deserve it. Before we turn things over to Felina and the Felina apocalypse begins, I just want to say that we have some great guests and big episodes coming up this summer. Longtime programmer of the TCM Underground, Millie DeChirico, will join us in June to talk about her book, TCM Underground, 50 Must-See Films from the World of Cult and Late-Night Cinema. And then in July, Barbie has a lot of mid-20th century energy, so just as we anticipated the release of Baz Luhrmann's Elvis with our Elvis episode, we'll be celebrating Greta Gerwig's Barbie with a Barbie episode. Corey will pick an 80s beach movie, and I'll be showing a 60s beach movie for that one. And then later that month, Audra Wolfman will stop by to talk about Noir City Hollywood. You won't want to miss any of these episodes, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple, Amazon Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, all the major ways you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. And feel free to drop us a line at oldmoviesforyoungstoners at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. And hey, speaking of beach movies, Corey, you're hosting a series of them in Los Angeles. Why don't you tell us a little more about it? I am not an expert on film noir, classic cinema, but one thing I am an expert on is sleazy 80s beach movies. I've trawled through hours and hours and hours of them. And so uh, the good people at Whammy uh, Home Video out here, which is a great VHS store and micro cinema in Echo Park, is letting me put on a series of films. It's Chalky's Summertime Sleaze Series. I'm Chalky. I'm the host. It's a bunch of weird 80s beach movies at Whammy. And uh, we're starting the series off on June 8th with Surf 2 from 1984 starring Eddie Deason, which we'll talk about later. Uh, mm-hmm. July 13th is a, is a Andy Sedaris classic, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, from 1987. Oh, yes. And August 10th is a mystery movie, and you'll just have to find out. Go to uh, uh, just Google Whammy Analog, or follow me on Instagram at Chalky Funk Wizard to find out more info. Uh, tickets are on sale now. Come see Surf 2 with a bunch of weirdos in L.A. You're going to love it. That's Chalky's Summertime Sleaze series of 80s beach movies at Whammy Analog, located at 2514 Sunset Boulevard, Los Angeles. The series kicks off on June 8th with Surf 2, with more to come throughout the summer. Go to whammyanalog.com for more info. That's whammy with an H. 
www.whammyanalog.com. The film is now the movie. Five diametrically opposed teams of college students are challenged to compete in a grueling all-night game. Midnight Madness. If Leviathan and his animals decide to play, I want to be there and beat them. Midnight Madness. It's about winning and losing. The game that demands sophisticated strategies. Four flat tires. Harold, you beached whale. Are we losing our temper? <laughs> It's beautiful. Midnight Madness. Growing up in the Franklin household, my dad forced me to watch a lot of movies, which is a big part of the reason I'm on this podcast. Hello. But one of the things he made me watch that I am so in love with was this zany scavenger hunt movie from 1980 with teams of weirdos combing through forgotten Los Angeles locations for who even knows what. It doesn't even really matter. It's like a trophy. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. With a cast made up of what Roger Ebert calls the furthest shores of strange character actors, including David Naughton from An American Werewolf in London, Maggie Roswell from The Simpsons, Stephen First from Animal House, Eddie Deason from Grease, plus the screen debut of Michael J. Fox, adding a hint of future star power. From Walt Disney Productions, <laughs> although you wouldn't know it from the opening credits, this is Midnight Madness. Bob, have you ever watched this movie before? I, I had not. I hadn't. And I totally watching it. I totally get why you chose it, but I know, and I also know that you're 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 often critical. Yeah, uh, you're critical of me when I program movies that are over two hours long. Now, this movie isn't over two hours, but at an hour and fifty two minutes, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's kind of long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is I like know. a this is a movie that should never go longer than ninety minutes. And (laughs) I was trying, but watching it, I'm trying to figure out like, why the hell didn't I see this movie with all the other junk that I saw that's similar to it? And Mm -hmm. I think the big reason is, is that it's a teen sex comedy without the sex. So perverted 12 year old me wasn't as motivated to watch it. You know, it wasn't like on, it wasn't one of those movies that HBO, this movie is rated R. HBO will yeah. show this movie only at yeah. night. It didn't have that stigma to yeah. it. So I, I just like, oh, this movie's for kids and I kind of ignored it. So, but on the, on the plus side for it though, is unlike Revenge of the Nerds or Animal House or these, those movies are far funnier, but they're also mm-hmm. pretty rapey. And when you watch yeah. them now, there's like kind of a deep shame in watching them. So <laughs> Midnight Madness gives you that kind of kooky 80s teen sex comedy, but without the angst and guilt. And is yes. this, should anybody be critically liable for this movie? Like, 
<laughs> like some of these other quote unquote classic films where yeah. people have sex with people under you know, Revenge of the Nerds, like he coerces oh. someone into sex that when she thinks he's somebody else and they yeah. they film women, they film naked women without their knowledge. It's just total. Oh, yeah. Total oh, yeah. It's so gross. And you get like almost none of that in this. The only thing that does make me feel like mildly like mm, is there's a lot of fat phobia. And also there is like one shady like quote-unquote shady mexican character and that's just like are you talking about blade (laughs) (laughs) i love that dude he's great but like also like of course in the 80s they had to make the one character of color like the shady like or not the one but like you know there is also i mean I hate to say this. Uh, first of all, uh, as as a Latino, I want to say it's great to have Latino representation in this movie, in a movie Love about that. Los Angeles. They're still making movies about Van Nuys where there's not one Latino person in it. I'm looking at you, Licorice, so pizza, licorice pizza. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's also some some kind of you know I want to say like vaudeville esque like just treatment of like the black characters too where yeah. they're kind of so there's a little bit of but it's so weird like ev- this movie everyone's acting like like it's 1940 like they all act very old-fashioned in this movie <laughs> yeah. it's so weird yeah oh uh, i love it <laughs> ebert did call out the fat phobia back in his review in 1980 this isn't like a really? review he, he did. did in 20 20- 2012 where he revised his thoughts on it or anything and he was mm-hmm. he's very disappointed I, I wish I wrote the filmmakers names down I, I didn't do that this time around but he liked a movie that they did before this called Junior High and he really thinks that's a a great small film about people you know pre-adolescents or teenagers he mm-hmm. loves that right. movie and so he was ready to champion Midnight Madness I think the way he would do for these smaller films and he right. was just he was just upset by it. He just thought it was mm. poor script writing and the fat phobia. And I, I believe he also calls out the uh, Blade character. There, there's also this idea like, oh, it was a different time and everybody was just sleepwalking through it back then. But no, one of the only reviews this movie got in 1980 was right. uh, Ebert. He's like, he's saying all the same things that some an activist on Twitter would say about it now. That's so funny. Oh, yeah. You know, I guess I did make you watch this movie, Felina. I was kind of bristling at the term of making you watch this film. Yeah, you, you know, made like, me watch I, this. I, 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 like I made you eat broccoli or I made you, you know, like clean your room. Uh, you know, I made you watch this movie, but you liked it. And, and you liked most of the movies that I showed you, maybe except for a few. Like, I don't think you like the racer head that much. I was not in the right headspace for a racer. I need to, I would love to rewatch it like yeah. sooner than later. Um, I did not like bringing a baby. I did not. No, no, no yeah. But, but yeah, that, but I think you asked for that one though. A little. You wanted that one, but, uh, but yeah. You asked was, so for was it, dis- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But yeah, I mean, it, it was a movie that showed constantly on, on HBO Back in the day, you know, it was it was one of those perennials, you know, along with Beastmaster and the Incredibly Shrinking Woman. It was just on a loop on HBO back in the 80s. So I and and it makes sense. Like Bob said, it's like Disney's version of Porky's or something. 
you know it has a it's very very sanitized one scene that's a little iffy is the one where the clue that they're looking for is on a necklace between a large oh, pair of breasts the melons. uh the, yeah, the melons uh and uh everyone's clamoring over the waitress's uh boobs at johnny's fat boy burger which but were I, they clamoring over the boobs they were clamoring over the clue because they were all very a little bit excited. of both a little bit of both well that's that's isn't that the gray area we know what they're really clamoring over i i, I watched this movie again uh last night and you know i didn't really laugh one time you were not you had the wrong type of weed buddy I maybe I had the wrong type of weed, but I really did enjoy seeing all the time capsule L.A. stuff. You know, like that was a lot of fun was seeing all those kind of old things and wondering. I will offer as a as a suggestion for for further research into this movie. I had a lot more fun watching the 80s life YouTube video of all of the filming locations. There's a YouTube channel called 80s life that is hosted by this. uh guy who used to be in punk rock bands named Kurt Crucial, who's pretty nerdy and goes around obsessively filming all L.A. filming locations for like films like They Live and and Midnight Madness and and, you know, Grease and you name anything that was filmed here. And and so he does a really good job of kind of taking you through the film and showing you that opening scene where the roller skating girls are giving the invitations to all the contestants was filmed at, at Occidental College, but also intercut with a lot of stuff from the Disney lot where I used to work when oh, I first yeah, moved yeah, yeah. here. You know, there's that's like dopey way or whatever that they're going down in the old animation building. Cool. Um, I want to. I, I haven't seen the YouTube video, but I want to say that it's like geographically sound. This movie, right? Like, right. They they st- right. they start at the Hollywood Tower. They go to the Griffith mm-hmm. Park. Then they go to Wilshire and Fairfax. And I'm like, oh, this is actually doable. It like makes yeah. it right. makes sense geographically. Geogra- geographically. <laughs> geographically that's really cool right. not a lot of movies do that like if you watch the the san francisco oh, yeah. car chase and what's the famous san francisco car chase yeah, bob bullet and bullet yeah, yeah. there's no way you can recreate that car chase you know what i mean <laughs> no exactly no totally or if you watch something like the last boy scout or one of those movies where it's like they turn the corner on wilshire and then they're in venice you know it's yeah. like okay <laughs> sure oh yeah yeah i mean there's a whole section of yeah. los angeles plays itself where yeah, they, yeah, right, he just shows that. like chase scenes in Cobra with Sylvester Stallone, where <laughs> well, they that, go from Van Nuys to to San, San Pedro. And, yeah, that Los Angeles plays itself guy is, is a huge oh, yeah. missed opportunity by not donating or uh, devoting a whole hour of Los Angeles plays itself to Midnight Madness. Uh, <laughs> it is it is one of the best Los Angeles movies. It really is. I swear to God, it's such a time capsule of cool Forget stuff. About Blade Runner being the L.A. movie of the 80s. It is Midnight <laughs> yes. Madness. Now, Corey, a question yeah. for you about this is there's all the, the scenes in the Pabst Blue Ribbon Factory, which was the brewery, which, you know, there's there's that's where a clue is. They have to Amazing go. Amazing product placement by Pabst Blue Ribbon in this oh. movie. Yeah, that's oh, why yeah. the hipsters are all into Pabst Blue Ribbon today. Really, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't Dennis Hopper in in uh, Blue Velvet. It was Midnight Madness. <laughs> But is that the same brewery, do you think, and maybe Greg can answer this, or Felina, that the beginning, the opening credits of Laverne and Shirley were filmed in? I think that's oh. actually in uh, in Milwaukee. It would no, be, no, no it way. Isn't. No, it isn't. I thought. <laughs> Those interiors? I mean, come on. It looks the same. The conveyor belt looks the same. 
I really thought this brewery looks familiar when I saw it in the movie. And I, they never did any episodic actual TV episode. There was never any episodes set in that brewery. It was only the, in the beginning. So they probably flew out to film that stuff. That's what I was saying. That's I don't what know. I was saying. I'm thinking, I'm thinking they just drove to that PBR brewery and they had a guy yeah. shoot an outside of, you know, I mean, it's not even a real yeah. brewery shots and that you see the sign of it, but they, maybe they shot a couple exteriors for B-roll stuff, but I don't think they flew those people out to Milwaukee to film that. I'm thing. surprised to, to hear Greg say that he didn't laugh once. I was, this movie's so funny, and it's jam-packed full of gags and funny shit, and the actors are acting their asses off in a funny way. That scene, it's true. That scene where the guy can't control, he's in the Pabst Blue Ribbon brewery and he lo- he he loves paps so much that his friends yeah. keep having to hold him back from drinking all the paps and then he finally contaminates the the the, the, the big pool of beer and it's uh, so funny yeah. and then at the end yeah. when they're all celebrating like that gag keeps going they're offer they offer him champagne he's like oh i can't drink anymore it's very funny but um i like you yeah. greg this movie was on a constant loop for me because hbo was just mm-hmm. showed the same yeah. shit over and over again so i've seen this movie a ton and yeah. and I went into it. I would go. Ahead I don't know how I missed it unless I just didn't really like it back then, and I just there was just something about it. Because I mean, I watched all the same other crap. I'm a little bit older, but I mean, I mm-hmm. was ten when this movie came out. I don't know why. I, I may have watched it and just didn't remember it because it's been a few years. I watched it so much. I thought I know. I've known every moment. Well, I'm getting insecure right now. Oh, I'm just. I'm just pour <laughs> shovel the earth on top of me. Uh, <laughs> I'm turning 54 next month. 54. But upon rewatching, I thought I knew every moment, every line of this movie. Uh, right. And I, I do. But I rewatching it for the show, I. It wasn't didn't seem long to me. It went by like that. I was entertained That's the whole true. time. I was cracking up the whole time. I, like it's still so fun to me, and it works at such a fast pace. And the locations are cool. I loved watching it again, and I think it's way funny. And I was like, oh, this is like the Disney eighties teen comedy. So you know, I'm gonna want some sleaze after this. I'm gonna want to watch something like crazy. Like okay, Eddie D's in. I want to watch Surf Two or something off the wall, but. You know, it doesn't need it. It, it, It's funny. It's funny and fun the way it is. And it has just enough, a little bit of of raunchiness. Like, it's funny for adults. It's I know this movie's made for babies, but I had the greatest time. I think this is like, I think this is one of the greatest movies of the 80s. I love every, every uh, thing. All right. Let's see if we can name all the teams. Okay. And their color Uh and their vehicle. Okay, Felina. All right. So there's the jocks, right? What are the yeah. what, what color are they and what kind of vehicle do they have? They're green. They're in the meat wagon. They're called meat machine. <laughs> the meat machine. <laughs> yeah. And a VW bug. They're all crammed into a bug. <laughs> yeah, a bug then, right? yeah. I was watching this with Sage and he was like, I need that. I need that car. All right. I need that meat, <laughs> yeah. mach- meat wagon. Then you get the then you have Eddie Deason's team and they're nerds, right? They're the debate team. Yeah. What do they the have? White the white team. Okay. They're on they're on mopeds. <laughs> yeah, with, with helmets. <laughs> they're on mopeds with helmets that you like yes. pedal. Do you okay. pedal a moped? No, 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 no. No, no, little... no. Those mopeds back then, because I had friends who had them, you, they did have pedals, and if you ran out of gas, oh. you could pedal them. So so wow. that classic moped had pedals. So, yeah. Okay. okay. Wow. So it does make sense because when they're in the um the lobby the, of the Bonaventure the Hotel, the lobby of the Bonaventure <laughs> Hotel, they're pedaling. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's true. All right. Then you have the all girl team, the red team. What is their vehicle? Yeah. The sorority. They're a sorority. They're That's okay. Yeah. They're in the pickup truck and then the tow truck and then on the backs of they're, the That's right. They're on a Dotson. Dot <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah. I forgot the nerds are a debate team. I don't know if you guys ever caught they're that. The this is the, that's the yeah. first time I ever caught that. I've seen this movie a hundred yeah. times. Right. All right. Then you have Flounder from Animal House's team, the van. And what's yeah. their deal? They're just like rich kids or uh, stupid or what? Yeah. <laughs> He's like the, his dad is like the dean or something, I think, of the school. Mm -hmm. And he and is just like a little rich fat boy with, uh, with, a yeah. With a computer in his Steven truck. Steven First's performance in this movie yes. is the one of the most oh annoying annoying loud chaotic things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. He's just stuffing He's food in worst. his mouth, knocking shit over. Yeah. He's suffering. He's suffering from an eating disorder, clearly. Just, Absolutely. Just eating everything and by the handful. By and yeah. Not even so disgusting. And his girlfriend, you're dying. So. Uh, yeah. You know, she she is oh a, that God. is one of my favorite underrated performances of this movie is Lucille. She's you know, great. His girlfriend who is fantastic in <laughs> yeah, this. She's so bar. funny. Um and then of all course of his friends, all the friends. All his friends are great like the mm -hmm. shitty smart friend and the dumb friend. The yeah. the really the really perfect. tall dumb jock is hilarious yeah. when he starts playing Heart and Soul in the Piano Museum as well. Yeah. It's one of the yeah. funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And then so and then the the other real dorky guy who like backs backs up his uh his girlfriend is also very funny. That guy went on to be a successful director. I forget his name. And then okay, and then the oh, wow. the final Michael team. Michael Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, no, that's not Michael. The final team is just is just the boring team. Is David Naughton's team? The boring team. They're yellow. They're yeah. in a jeep. In the yellow jeep with uh. Michael with J. Fox is Michael in that. Michael J. Fox. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? Who does also a very annoying performance. He's just like a bratty kid. Yeah. And, and that that really unnecessary virgin character who you know is yeah. is I don't oh, yeah. know you don't really need you don't really need him. But but it's kind of funny because there's a scene where he seems to confess his virginity and and David Naughton acknowledges it and is ready to, you know, be supportive. And he says, oh, you're a virgin. And the character says, no, no, no. I just haven't been on any dates. Which, <laughs> Such a weird line. <laughs> like, what is that? It's like, oh, so so that implies that he's uh, paid a lot of prostitutes. Oh, thank you. you that's know? what that uh, means. I'm like, what? Oh. That's so that, funny. See, that's well, a, that's, that's a joke what, for adults. That's a joke for adults. There. Yeah. Well, that's what I that's what I said, and 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 is sitting next to me. She's like, no, 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 no. That's not what they meant by that. But I don't know what else he could have. Well, been. he oh, he was he was he finally got a date, and then they cock block him, and they they take him away from the date. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Did you see that? Date? She was cute. That was no, such a mean joke. Fine. Yeah. I know. Like so he was mean. so hot. Like he yeah, was, right. Like he was. Well, you know when he got his confidence and he took his jacket off and went in the oh, middle yeah. of the street and was hitchhiking and those two girls they were all over him oh yeah so, and uh, they said we're not going that way and he said don't worry you'll love it pushes him out of the way starts yeah. driving away it's like okay can we talk about um <laughs> another great to me is an amazing performance 
uh, of a nerd, uh, but a nerd that gets laid is the game master himself, Leon, who I've never, I've never seen this guy in another movie. I want to see him in another movie. He's amazing in this movie. I thought that Leon is very funny uh, and a really good performance. He's the guy that created the Midnight Madness game. Yeah, he he has a whole B story that I love. I love watching Leon on screen, and he has two beautiful women around him at all times. Always. And what is his deal? Like, like, like he's got apparently unlimited resources. He took a year out of his life to create this Midnight Madness game. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, you can do anything if you say, like, oh, I'm a student. Like, I'm just doing this for school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like a thesis. But yeah, I love I had I, I had I had the greatest time watching it's this. Social life. It's a sociology major. I got high he's as hell. Doing like this is yeah, like this a- Stanford, <laughs> the Stanford prison experiment. Exactly. <laughs> it's the moment no one's been waiting for. It's time for the Facebook report with Bob Calhoun. Now, Felina, Facebook definitely knows about Midnight Madness. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Just this month on May first. David Jerkowski of Schenectady, New York posted, does anyone else remember this movie? No comments, no comments at all. It's just floating there in the ether. And you know, David, David, we remember this movie and we hope you're listening. And just for you, just because no one's commented when this episode posts, I'm posting a link to it on this, on this question, on this post here. So, because, so you'll, so you'll have, have a comment, David. So you have that to look forward to. Um, there's a Midnight Madness uh, Facebook group with 18 members. And in 2021, Sarah Bastings posted, my husband's family is addicted to this film. I can't believe this many people have seen it, which was 18, <laughs> 18. people. <laughs> <laughs> we took a tour of the Griffin Observatory while we were in Cali last year. And uh, Jeremy K posted, this movie is the shit with the I is an asterisk. And there's like one, two, three, four, five, six exclamation points. And that post got one like. Uh, Gina L from Indiana posted, love, love, love this movie. Hug me. And she got two likes on that. That was all in caps. Let's all get hu- let's all get hug me uh, necklaces. I think we should. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Sofer, uh, self-proclaimed trophy husband at the Casa de Sofer, also proclaims that the twin sisters are hot. So Whoa. some love for the big girls there, Greg. Greg, you might want to. You should talk to Martin Sofer. I think think you'll have something in common with him. And uh, yeah. Scott from Brevard County, Florida, posted beer only on. A few groups across the country have begun their own versions of Midnight Madness in their own towns. That's true. With the right amount of creativity and willing players, you can pull off the funniest event in your boring little town. Check out this group I'm involved in for more details. And of course, this is from like 2015 that he posted this. So there's like a link to a MySpace page or maybe it's even 2013, but it's a dead link to a MySpace page for his Brevard County, Florida Midnight Madness group. And uh, lastly, about five years ago, Eddie Deason posted also in all caps. Shout out to my old friend, Michael J. Fox, dot, 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 dot. Happy birthday, Michael. I had the pleasure of co-starring in Michael J. Fox's first film with him. It was called Midnight Madness, parentheses, 1980. 
It's actually a very funny film. One of the funniest I ever did. Although Midnight Madness tanked at the box office, I love it and am proud of it. And that got 348 likes, including a like from... Corey Sklar That's of me. old movies from Young Stoners. Hey, Eddie's wow. going through some troubles right now. We want to wish him well. Uh, he's yeah. so funny in this oh. movie. And uh, yeah, Eddie Deason is the reason for this season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I met him through you. He was like your friend at the San Mateo comic convention we went to. Oh, yeah. I introduced you, you to you him. Were, yeah, <laughs> you introduced right. me to him. And I, I was wondering earlier Iconic. when I was like uh, researching it, like, should we mention that you're friends with him? Because he is suffering from uh, mental illness and has had mm-hmm. some setbacks in life. And uh, but, yeah, we wish him the best. Uh, hopefully he's getting the treatment that he needs. He's a legend. Greece. Uh, of course. Midnight Madness. War games. War games. War games. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 a Polish, a Polish vampire in Burbank. Oh, classic. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, uh, we can't, we can't uh, move on without mentioning the amazing theme song. By the way, it's right up there with the Van Nuys oh, Boulevard fuck, theme yes. song. It is so good. Yes. It's in my head constantly. This theme song. It doesn't matter what you say. So it doesn't matter what you do. It's Midnight Madness. Yes. Exactly. What what weed did you smoke with this, Corey? Oh, okay. Um, I had the perfect weed for this. Uh, I suggest a uh, a heavy THC heavy sativa to keep you buzzy and laughing and giggling with maybe a little bit of um, indica uh, hybrid strain thrown in. So I got the green crack. The green crack is a potent sativa strain renowned for its energizing effects. It has earthly and sweet flavor with hints of citrus and mango. Um, The high from this strain is known to be intense and uplifting, providing users with an energetic buzz that can help inspire creativity, focus, and productivity. Green crack can provide relief from stress and depression. Green crack, get it today and watch Midnight Madness. I was lucky enough to visit the dispensary uh, before I um, saw this film. And was lucky enough to find a strain of weed called Midnight. Woo! That is a, um, a sativa dominant variety. It's seven uh, percent high CBD, and it was fun. And I think the reason I didn't laugh is just because I do. I know this movie back and forth, like the top of my head. It wasn't like I didn't laugh in a bad way. It was just like reading rereading an old novel. It was like. Uh, revisiting sacred text uh, to me <laughs> what about you bob now i i fucked up on this movie because i i did not like it and some of it is because i wasn't stoned what happened oh. was i i watched uh one of the warriors lakers games it was one of the ones they won so i was in a good mood but i was just pounding modelos through the whole game as one does when mm. you watch sporting events so i was pretty drunk actually by the time the game ended and I was still awake and Rosie went to bed. You know, she's like, I'm done. I'm going to bed early. So I'm like, well, I got to watch. I should just watch one of these movies. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put on Midnight Madness. And that might be part of the reason I didn't like it because I was getting mad at Midnight Madness. I wanted to take <laughs> Midnight. I was well, drunk. It's like, in the name. It's in the name. So yeah, I wanted to know. fight Midnight Madness. Like come outside with me, Midnight Madness. You motherfucker. You fucking oh, like the man. twins started annoying me. Stephen first. If I ever see him at the San Mateo comic convention, so I'm going to punch him in the face over this movie. Oh, I was man. just getting pissed out. Now look, an analog to this movie 
would be, uh, Corey's already mentioned it, would be Van Nuys Boulevard. And I don't know if I've ever been stoned watching Van Nuys Boulevard, but I've watched Van Nuys Boulevard 3 a.m. when I was shit-faced, when I was just trashed, drinking yeah. Cazadoras or or Jim Beam or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And But with Midnight Madness, it's like, I love you, Midnight... Or not, not Midnight Madness, Van Nuys uh, Boulevard. Uh, Van Nuys. I'm like, I love you, Van Nuys Boulevard. I love you so much. You're so great. But Midnight Madness, I'm like, I'm, I want to fucking... I want to fight this whole movie. Ah. I fucking hate this movie. It's probably oh, the, wow. the, Disney, the Disney vibes, you know? They're, they're yeah, they, I offer this as a cautionary tale. Is It's a good idea to get drunk and watch Van Nuys Boulevard or get drunk and watch some other similar movies to it. Uh, those go well with alcohol, especially like Beer Fest. Like, hello, it's Beer Fest. Oh, yeah. Don't don't try don't drink with this movie. Uh, get stoned, right. smoke a sativa. Everybody's suggesting mm-hmm. sativas. They're right about it. Don't <laughs> don't don't touch alcohol. Don't even have a nice shot to warm your way into it. Alcohol in yeah. this movie, even with all the beer. I mean, I, yeah. I I was that was the part that piqued my interest. Oh yeah, look, that brewery's pretty cool. I think it's the one from Laverne and Shirley, and that was like my favorite part of the movie. But yeah, don't drink, don't drink and watch Midnight Madness. Folks. Wow, that's wild. Uh, I had uh, Julius Caesar. It's a hybrid. I had fun, so I had a great time. I love this movie. It's one of my favorites. It's classic. Um, I had a few bowls of Julius Caesar and it was great. It was great. Midnight Madness is available to rent or buy through Amazon Prime or YouTube starting at $3.99. It is also on archive.org, I just found out, just in my Ooh. searches. So you can you can watch it for nothing while it still exists there. Disney doesn't seem to care about it, so it's there on archive. So I wish I do it before I paid uh the Zon $3.99, but there it is. Flesh-eating zombies have shambled onto our screens, both big and small, ever since George Romero first introduced them in Night of the Living Dead in 1968. With Walking Dead spinoffs now a regular thing, we've seen just about every way imaginable that the undead can rip out intestines. But can zombies learn to love? This somewhat twisted retelling of Romeo and Juliet dares to answer this burning question. With Nicholas Holt from Renfield and just about everything else as our undead Romeo, Teresa Palmer is the still-living teen girl he gets the warm fuzzies for. It's a movie that's subtly subversive for content aimed at tween girls, while still packing enough gore for you hardened horror addicts. From 2013, this is Warm Bodies. I'm, I need to initially just apologize that I made <laughs> all of you watch Warm Bodies. <laughs> this is... Apology oh. not accepted. <laughs> I don't know how I can ever repay you for all oh, man. for all watching this. Warm bodies, I do have to argue, it is stony. It is kind of stony to me, mm-hmm. I think. How come? Well, the heartbeat, if the heartbeat effect <laughs> in yeah. the zombies is really, trippy. really trippy, very funny. The bonies, the bonies, the boners. Uh, yeah, right. Those guys are spooky and they're fun. They're zombies that have decayed 
too much. There's these fleshy yes. zombies that are recently right. dead, and they they have the ability to find love, as we find out. And then the bonies are they're CGI gener they're computer generated mm -hmm. zombies, and they are they run mm -hmm. fast, and they're they're decayed yes. almost to the points of being skeletons. That's all they are. Right. Yeah. So I think I mean I had fun watching this movie. I I did watch it in theaters. I think with my mom in 2013 and i remember watching it and having a really good time as a 13 year old but then upon rewatch <laughs> it wasn't my favorite i think it would have been a better video game i think this would have i think warm wow. bodies would have been a good video game i don't think that it is suited for for movies really <laughs> what <laughs> I don't think this is a movie that is suited to be a movie. <laughs> you picked it. I know. Well, I wanted to see it because I haven't seen it in years. I, I didn't know. And Bob and I were just going through because I didn't want to get two movies that everybody has seen before. I wanted to get something that nobody else has seen really that that is more my generation that I would have watched, you know, growing up, having fun with. You know what? I actually found the perfect movie, like, hours. Way too late. Like, way too late. What would you, what would you have picked instead? But I'm a cheerleader. Ah, uh, classic. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. Let's but watch also, that on Felina Apocalypse 2. I know. There's going to be a Felina Apocalypse 2. They're Bob, I'm telling you, yeah. I'm not asking anymore. I figured there would be. Yeah, I, I figured like there would be. Not asking anymore. Uh, next season, <laughs> there's going to be a Felina Apocalypse 2, uh, Revenge of the Felina. <laughs> I'm going to just have to make sure I load like some really long movies before that in, in next year. <laughs> Ten Commandments, everybody, for Passover. Come on. Fleet Apocalypse is coming up. Oh, my God. I'll, I'll kill you first. <laughs> Corey, what did you think of this movie? Uh, it's a movie. No, no, I'm just going. You know, I'm glad you picked it because I would have never watch this movie otherwise i i was never on my radar um i like that nicholas holt he's so, such a good looking young chap the time it came out is to its detriment because it looks very 2013 that's what my yeah. first thing it just looks like a 2013 movie it has a lot mm -hmm. of cgi blood there's some practical effects but there's a lot of cgi that doesn't look so great and then i am annoyed because i start i'm like well what are the rules with these zombies then they could think but they can't talk what is you know so i start uh, getting i start right. getting mad um it does start with that cliche like records record scratch i bet you're wondering how i got here kind of thing and yeah. that is just like you know and it's um but it sucks you in and uh I, I also got mad because I don't like Rob Corddry. He does not make me laugh. I think he's like the quintessential, like mediocre white man who's falling upward in his career. Like, why does this guy get so many parts? He he's he's not funny yeah. to me. But then I saw John Malkovich, and that's okay. So that was like, yay, boo, <laughs> boo, Rob Corddry, yay, John Malkovich. Um, the whole time I was like, <laughs> I I could only think about being both John Malkovich and being John Malkovich in this movie. Like I was picking picturing myself in his eyes thinking <laughs> what he was thinking like while he was making this movie <laughs> oh wow but i think it's a fine movie i think it's clever i like zombie movies i like teen rom-coms and i think it does a good job at being both those things it's not 
amazing. It's not knock it, it knocks you out. You know, it's not a super home run, but it's a fine movie and it's a good movie if you're with a partner and you're on a romantic date and you you're your way into horror and maybe they aren't and mm-hmm. this is the perfect medium movie for that I, I the makeover scene is very funny I love a makeover scene and there's that scene and it's very funny but I'm no one talks about is how there's some necrophilia in this movie and uh if you're into necrophilia, I want you to check out the Necromantic series of movies, Felina. I think maybe oh maybe you'll God. love those as well if you like this one so much. Um, but I think this is a I think this is a fine movie. It's fine. It's cute. Fine. It's a little too cute for me, I guess. But also, I was smiling a lot. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, it was. A, it was smi- It's it's a cute zombie. You're not gonna find a cuter zombie movie. I'll say that. The the thing about this movie is, you know, obviously it was not made for us. Right. right? Yeah. But, the, you know, this is which is fine. Not every movie has to be made for middle aged white men. You know, this is something that maybe all middle aged white men don't realize, you know. But uh, <laughs> the thing that I've kept feeling and I was pretty high when I watched it and I, I felt the presence of middle aged white men throughout this movie. I uh. felt like it was definitely engineered by producers or writers who were kind of cynically trying to make a. Uh, twilight but even lighter and a comedy like a post-twilight type of movie try to cash in on that craze um because every single music drop uh, needle drop in this was a song from the 80s or 70s was like a total older millennial right, or like Gen bob X dylan cue. and blue oyster every cult and single shit like cue, that, yeah you know or john <laughs> wait uh you know missing you was like the first one there's like i think the the scorps are in there you know, uh, patience by know, Guns N' Roses, which no young person yeah, is listening to. Yeah, and the first, yeah. <laughs> the first time he puts a record down, there's the Doors record that's like right there, and I'm like, well, he's gonna listen to Soft Parade right now. What's going on? And <laughs> and 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 he puts down the record, and it's John Wait missing you, and I was like, man, this is so me making Felina watch a movie from my childhood. They're forcing their musical tastes on the youth of of 2013 you know it's that same kind of thing well you brought up an interesting point though dad Uh, this did come after twilight and i feel like there were a bunch of movies that are like twilight-esque that were they they were just really trying to follow up on that twilight monster honestly like monster fucker kind of craze (laughs) wow i've never heard that term before you've got you've got opposing poles though you've got twilight for tween girls that's what young girls are watching maybe young boys but you also have true blood is really blowing up on hbo at the same time and your pervy mom felina is just watching Eric oh, and Shooky yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. just oh, yeah. like everybody. It's not just the youth of America. It was the the approaching middle aged of America were just watching yeah. people fuck vampires and love romance vampires. Yeah, I mean vampires have always been a yeah. romantic figure, going back to Bela Lugosi. And yeah, but Lee, not but. zombies. Never zombies. Not, oh yeah. I mean, there's one that's like he's just ugly, but he turns into a monster. It's beastly. There's one. Uh-huh, um, right. Wait, there, there's a werewolf fucker show too? I'm pretty sure there is. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. It's one of them. In yeah. programming this, Felina had the uncanny ability to find and suggest movies that just weren't streaming on Tubi, yeah, Prime, yeah, or anything. Yeah, right. And we were already doing Midnight Madness, which was already... Mm-hmm. 
two ninety nine extra, three five ninety nine extra, whatever it was. And Beastly was one of them, and it was just like all these movies. Just you know, High School Musical was another one, and it got to the point where I'm like, were you ever into the Twilight movies? Because there were so many of them that you, there had to be a couple that would be streaming, and there were. But then, then uh, she wasn't, so we ended up. She Beastly Beastly looked a little better than this. I wish Beastly was. It wasn't. It's not. It's not. Okay. It's not. I can assure you, it's probably a little bit worse than this. Oh, okay. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's really bad, and I know I know you guys would have hated it like like extra hard, uh, even more than this. Yeah, that's kind of why I picked. Why I was thinking Beastly because it was so bad like atrociously bad that i figured it could be fun while while you were high okay just to back up a little bit the zombie is the one spinning the records the zombie has the girl he he's like there's the zombies are at an airport and he has his hipster pad inside a plane inside a, a jumbo jet and he's got a record player that somehow still has battery power after all these years or months. <laughs> and he has a he has a cool like 40 something year old guy record collection. And yeah. so he's spinning records. First, uh, they play almost all of Hungry Heart by Bruce Springsteen. And that probably yeah. that needle drop probably cost as much as the entire budget of Night of the Living Dead. I think Azoff does not <laughs> charge a uh, movie cheap to do that. Uh, they they could no. they could have used some of that music budget on the on the makeup. I'll say that right now. You oh know? yeah. <laughs> but but he yeah. spins Guns N' Roses, right? He spins Patience. Yeah. And I wonder right. if like he's a hipster zombie, so is he playing Guns N' Roses ironically? No, he genuinely oh. likes it. There's no no younger people. There is no ir- ironic listening to music. I, I I just I wonder if the Gen X people that wrote this crap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, they play the Scorps later, but I think they ran out of the needle drop budget by the time the Scorps come on because they only play the beginning of it, and then once yeah, the yeah. Klaus Mida is about to kick in, they they cut it because <laughs> I think like well we played Dylan the Dylan Dude, Dylan and Springsteen is so expensive. Yeah, no, I mean that that was like that that's easily six figures on and and this is our this is this is our problem that we watch these movies and we start thinking about the music supervision budget you know this is our this is this is us this is this is not this is not the movie's fault this is our fault well but if we're thinking about it it means we aren't quite engrossed that there's a that something there's a a, a, um there's a gap in the armor and we're, we're 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 thinking about this am i the only one who's seen renfield here yeah yeah but I hear okay. it's great. I hear it's fantastic. I, I saw Renfield, and Renfield has Nicholas Holt in the same kind of role. He's he's Renfield, who is immortal like Dracula. He's Dracula's familiar. I always thought Renfield's a guy who who will die eventually, but in the purposes of Renfield, he is immortal like Dracula, and he has superpowers when he eats bugs. But it's very similar to Warm Bodies because you've got first person narration from Nicholas Holt as Renfield mm. and he's explaining like oh I'm I'm so tired of of being Dracula's familiar and he he makes his own kind of apartment hipster pad and stuff as he's uh trying to romance Aquafina who's a cop there's a lot of kind of lethal weapon kind of cop stuff in Renfield right. in action mm. movie stuff but the what I was thinking when I was watching Warm Bodies is that 
it's like Renfield if Nicolas Cage never shows up to ruin things for Renfield. Because just when you're getting tired of Nicholas Holt and Renfield, Nicolas Cage shows up and fucks things up for him and chews the scenery for a while. And that this movie is uh-huh. very similar, but no Nick Cage. So I recommend right. Renfield. It's going to be on Peacock. You could do a double feature because this is on Peacock totally. and Renfield's Universal. Mm. So it's going to be on, on Peacock without having nice. to pay extra for it in a month, I bet. So so you could do the two movies. Uh, Nicholas Holt, he is the Roddy McDowell of his generation because he's also in Mad Max Fury Road and he's in a number of other genre he's, films. He's great, yeah. Films. yeah he's, he's in he's... that Catherine the Great show on Hulu. So, you know, and Roddy McDowell was in historical epics directed by John Ford and he's in Cleopatra. So I'm going to say right now, that guy is the Roddy McDowell of his generation. And Craig, back to you. That that pretty woman scene is even that a dated reference for this generation. You know, I've I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen Pretty Woman. I don't think I have, but I know about it. You know, there's a famous makeover scene in it. Uh, you know, I think every Julia Roberts movie of the 90s had a makeover scene in it. Uh, where she tries on different outfits. Then just another, you know, kind of stray thought is like, you know, you you bring up uh, Roddy McDowell. I, 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 and I think of the John Malkovich part, which watching it, I mean, I love John Malkovich. I did think he was heinously miscast in this part, you know, because he's like, I'm so tired of these zombies running around everywhere. You know, he just doesn't <laughs> seem to have, you know. <laughs> we are their food source. They are not becoming vegan. You're my daughter, yeah. and I care about you. Yeah. Yes, he's like I. We we have to kill all the zombies here, <laughs> and <laughs> I just didn't feel that you know that hard ass you know militarized dad from John Malkovich. Corpses do not think. They do not bleed. They are incapable of remorse. Felena, did uh, did your friends like this movie? How like was this a popular yes. movie? Okay, yeah. See, this is no, I, I need that con- that context. Yeah, all so many of my friends enjoyed this movie. Sage, my my partner, loved this movie when it came out, and their little brother was a massive fan of this movie, watching it like, interesting a bunch of times, like rewatching it. And it was what got uh, their little brother into horror now, even though it's not scary. It's just got a little bit of that, you know, gore. And and that it really got them. That's something they bond over now is because Sage is a massive horror movie fan. And now their little brother is, too, because uh, this movie is the was the launching pad that see interesting that is super important context for me like Mm -hmm. i guess in in a sea of these monster fucker uh movies this one's this one stood (laughs) out this one kind of stood out you know yeah it it did acting's a little better this it's a little sweeter it's a little bit fun yeah you know it's a little bit quirky and goofy and i will say also this is very this movie was very tumblr So if you Mm -hmm. were on the internet in the early 2000s, you know, Tumblr is, was this platform. It still is a platform, but it's not as popular anymore. There were a lot of Twilight fans on there. There were a lot of Supernatural, Doctor Who, like all of that stuff. There were some Warm Bodies fans on there as well, I'm sure. And uh, this, this definitely played to that like that hipstery time frame that Tumblr popularized, I think, because Tumblr really 
made like aesthetics. You, if you were on Tumblr, you had an aesthetic. Like a, you were either soft grunge, you were kawaii, you were all of these. You know, you were a hipster. This definitely played into the hipster Tumblr aesthetic. Bob, is there a Facebook report for Warm Bodies? Oh, there definitely is. Uh, Netflix posted about the movie when it was on Netflix UK Ireland in 2022. The post had 560 comments and 1.8 million views, way more than the Midnight Madness group, I'm afraid. But, Corey oh, Sk- yeah. but you know, Corey Sklar did not like any of these posts about Warm Bodies. <laughs> uh, Brian... <laughs> Brian Mia of Norco, California asked, is that Billy Joe Armstrong playing the zombie? I only asked because I saw this movie for the first time this year, but never really paid attention to the cast though. That got 11 likes. Somebody did correct him, but I was really surprised the Nicholas Holt fans didn't rip him to shreds. I was like, like I was expecting there to be 50 comments like, Nicholas Holt is the greatest actor of my generation. He's better than Roddy McDowell even. Like just, yeah. you know, maybe Holt's fans aren't quite as like, I mean, there are... There are definitely actors, if you make the mistake to just say some flippant thing about them on Twitter even or, oh, yeah. or any any of the social media. You're people, toast. You know, the, the, the Swifties, the Swift Boat Veterans oh, for God. Truth. You know, if you dare <laughs> dare oh, speak God. Tay-Tay's name <laughs> in vain. The Swift Boat. <laughs> the Swift Boaters. Uh, but anyway... The Cumber Bitches, as Rosie says, yes. uh, you know, the Cumber right. Bitches. Well, they, those are like women my age. They'll come at you with a knife if you do, oh, yeah. if you say like, he's got a terrible American accent. They just don't want to hear it. You know, I'm American. I'm better than <laughs> I come from Boston or maybe Southern California. You know, <laughs> don't, don't let them hear it. Don't let the cumber bitches hear it. They will cut, Hilarious. You. They will cut you. But oh, uh, uh, back to warm bodies and Facebook, uh, the premier social media medium, uh, Facebook. <laughs> and it is uh, lots, <laughs> lots of people are saying they love the book more. So there's definitely a lot of love for the book. It oh. is, the book is better. You, If you watch the movie, you can't really understand it without reading the book. But there's others mm. saying that it's their favorite zombie movie. And that it's it's their favorite with a U because these are a lot of posts from the UK. There's also a lot of lovers of Warm Bodies and Nicholas Holt three group like oh not three heart it's like a heart with the uh, with a pointy bracket you know so they love Nicholas Holt and Warm Zombies that group has three hundred four members. Lots of this content not available right now notes on that one, along with some really blurry images of Holt, like how these people found the blurriest images on the internet. Like that group is just nothing but really depixelated, blurry. Like they found a tiny thumbnail that they blew up to Facebook post size or something. <laughs> like over and over again. Like there, there's almost like... If I was him, I'd almost want that that group taken out and that risks alienating 304 of his most diehard fans. But I mean, it's like, man, it just it just looks like he's filmed through a dirty, blurry, wet window during a rainstorm over and over again. Dad, what did you what did you smoke with to watch Warm Bodies? I smoked the same thing midnight. I uh, was high on the same weed. The entire time I actually smoked this one uh, first. So maybe some of my midnight madness fatigue was brought on by the terror of warm bodies. 
watching that first, but um, yeah, I, you know. yeah, I would have suggested watching Midnight Madness first. That's what I did. And I think that was way better. Yeah, uh, I, I perhaps screwed up. Perhaps. Bob. Okay, I smoked Bubba Kush. I got a pre-roll of Bubba Kush uh, in San Francisco. I was in San Francisco uh, last week in the mission. And on 16th, right in front of Taqueria Pancho Villa, there was a guy with a table set up. And he was selling pre-rolls of Bubba Kush. He was selling <sighs> some other flour. And he had a big jar of psilocybin mushrooms. And he was just out there like he was at a trade show, like at a farmer's market. Wow. Damn. So I got cool. a I got a burrito. First time I was at Pancho Villa in a long time. I haven't been there in probably decades. But yeah, this guy, so I I I he just had some pre-rolls of Bubba Kush. So that's what I got for this. People cool. like there's a whole documentary on CNN saying how San Francisco is a failed state. It is not a failed state. San Francisco is back. There's guys on the street corners selling <laughs> mushrooms and weed. I went to a Giants game last month. I don't know if I said this on the podcast already, but there was a guy around the corner from the Giants ballpark, whatever corporation it's named after, I don't know. And he had a table and he was selling tequila shots. He was selling margaritas and tequila shots, hornitos. He was just there selling tequila on the street right next to somebody selling bacon-wrapped hot dogs. I mean, everything we ever wanted from the city is there right now. And I posted about it on Twitter. Holy shit. The tequila, man. And somebody said there's a pre-roll, man, and he's got like a mobile cart that he's pedaling around, and he's selling pre-rolls. over by. You can get stoned and watch the Giants game. So, I mean, great street business going on there. So, yeah, I spoke Bubba Kush. According to Leafly, Bubba Kush, also known as BK, Bubba and Bubba OG Kush, is an indica marijuana strain that has gained notoriety in the U.S. and beyond for its heavy tranquilizing effects, sweet hashish flavors with subtle notes of chocolate and coffee come through on the exhale, delighting the palate as powerful relaxation takes over. And I, I was definitely relaxed for this but it i smoked about two hits before and then uh took a break to smoke a couple hits in the middle uh i am worried with something this relaxing that it would put me to sleep and it did not i love it Corey. what'd you smoke uh i smoked the my vape pen which this is uh, i want to talk about this vape pen this this is the raw garden live resin disposable half gram vape pen now these i love these because they are clean 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 live resin no additives and you could find these for under $20 this one is on sale right now for $15 this is the sour peach ready to use refined live resin pen uh what is sour peach it tastes great it tastes like sour peach it's sour crack mm. with sour cindy and sour sap stone fruit citrus fruity it's a hybrid but this is just and this is just to main this is what i smoke to maintain through the day and uh, I don't think you this movie uh, calls for any certain uh, strain of weed, just some weed in general to get you through the movie. So that's what I recommend. Now, I watched this first and then I watched Midnight Madness. And I think that I think I was like set up for like to be knocked out of the park with something that, like it's like it's like when the first the, it's like when the first band, the opening band isn't as great as the headliner. You know what uh -huh. I'm saying? So I I like I liked uh, I liked watching these in this order. I got to say. Okay. But but Corey, have you seen an opening band that ruined the whole show? Oh, yeah, I have done that. Yeah, I have seen that. That's too. what happened. That's what happened to me. <laughs> I think this was perfect because I was stoned out of my mind. I had two of these cannabis-infused peanut butter cups 
from Emerald mm. Sky. These are delicious. Mm. These are honestly just snacks. They're so good. <laughs> they don't taste like weed at all. What's the percentage per peanut butter cup? 10. 10 milligrams. That's a lot to snack on. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it sure is. Holy I know. Fuck. 10 milligrams per cup. So I had 20 milligrams and I was nice. so I'm this has got to be like a heavy hitter or something, though, because I was fucking blasted and I was having so much fun reliving my childhood. Um, I was still thinking critically, though, so that's good. Like, I wasn't just like, oh, like I was still like, this could have been a video game because uh, <laughs> like I how fun would it have been to like if you could have controlled the little zombie and you were running around as a zombie like oh I need to go get food and you could like pick up this thing and you could pick up another thing I don't yeah know. Like, and I, I need to go get get a girlfriend and you can play like, one now- level as John Malkovich yeah why not <laughs> make her love her by imprisoning her in an airplane and playing oh, her yeah. Bob Dylan that's something we didn't even talk about is that he kidnapped her yeah that was weird he saved her he kidnapped her there's a little bit of Patty Hearst going on in this movie definitely mm-hmm. <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly right. Warm Bodies is now streaming on Peacock Thanks so much, Bob. I think that the Felina demon has been controlled for some <laughs> for some time. I think we'll have to check in on the demon next year or so, or, you know, next, next season. season. So that wraps up the first annual Felina Apocalypse. If you enjoyed it, we'll do another one next year, and maybe we'll be on the ball that time and schedule it for April Fool's Day 2024. We shall see. But coming up next month, we are getting back to our black and white bonafides. We'll have Millie DeChirico, author of the TCM Underground book, on to talk about one of her favorite cult classics, Night Tide, with Dennis Hopper. And we'll salute the recently departed Kenneth Anger with his short film, Invocation of My Demon Brother, from 1969. Rest in power, Mr. Anger. Please tell Anton we said hello. And as that old scoundrel Alistair Crowley used to say, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And you can stick that in your pen and vape it in June on Old Movies for Young Stoners. Stoners.